Hey everyone. Today we're going to talk about um, intersectionality in regards to being a person of color and an LGBTQ uh, person or a person who belongs to the LGBTQ community. Um, so today we're just, we're really going to, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some facts and maybe introduce a little bit of figures here and there. And then, you know, we're just going to have a conversation about it. So um, I hope you are ready to do that today. And as always, we have Logan with us. How you doing, Logan? Doing all right. And uh, always glad to be here. And I guess, uh, Bianca, if you want to just like start us off with this, um, just explain a little bit more about intersectionality and what that is, too. Yes, yes, yes. So intersectionality um, is, by definition, um, from my good old Merriam-Webster dictionary, the complex and cumulative way in which the effects of multiple forms of discrimination, such as racism, sexism, and classism, combine, overlap, and or intersect, intersect, especially in the experiences of marginalized individuals or groups. Um, this was a term um, kind of coined in the mainstream by Kimberly Crenshaw, um, and in which she introduced the theory of intersectionality. Um, it's the idea that um, when it comes to thinking about how inequalities persist, categories like gender, race, and class are best understood as overlapping and mutually constitutive rather than isolated and distinct. And of course, a lot of words there, right? So <clears throat> let me boil that down for you. What that means is, um, for instance, um, I would consider myself a person of color um, as well as a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, there are more letters associated with that, but that was mentioned in a previous podcast. So I'll go ahead and listen to that one. Um, but um, I consider myself to, well, I am a black woman um, and I am a lesbian. And so um, that puts me in a few different intersections and I have more intersections, but I'm not going to get into my personal bio. Um, but that puts me as a person who has some intersections um, in my life. And so um, the different parts of your identity um, can be your uh, intersections and also your uh, socioeconomic uh, class can be a part of your intersection. It's essentially um, the different parts of your identity that shape your experiences. Um, because like for instance, um, I identify as a lesbian, um, a, a, a person who might be a part of the Pacific Islander community might have some different experiences than um, someone from my community, the Black community, um, just because of, you know, some historical situations, uh, just the way the communities function and things of that nature. So I think, I think that kind of like gives it a bit of more of a boiling down and a little easier to understand. Because sometimes like, our definitions of a dictionary and these textbook definitions are a little hard to kind of understand because it's, it's a lot. Um, and, and I think sometimes too, that when we talk about like um, maybe discrimination or racism or sexism, classism, whatever it is, it's like very much a singular facet of this. And like, mm -hmm. this is more so kind of like, these things are all part of a multi, like multi, faceted person like mm -hmm. they, the one person can identify as all these different things and be impacted um 
possibly negatively for having these multiple things happen. Um, And I guess another question I have too is like, I feel like I've heard people say things like, um, like, especially like youth growing up that if you're part of a group, that that group is very accepting of you um, Mm. just because you, you, you fit that criteria of identifying. So like, whether you look this way or you're part of the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. that um, a lot of youth are like, Oh, well, they're, they're part of this clique. And so Mm -hmm. like, or like they're this way, so they must fit in with these people. Um, Do you think that that's true or what are your kind of thoughts on that? Oh, um, I think this kind of goes into the conversation of intersectionality. Um, No one group is monolithic. So um, and it's just like we've talked about in other episodes when we talk about different groups of people with different backgrounds. Um, They're all comprised of individuals, right? And so each individual has their own experiences and backgrounds and that is why we introduce intersectionality. Each individual has their different intersections. And so each individual is gonna have their own experiences that might shape their behavior. It might shape um, you know, how they might feel about some of their other identities, right? So um, <clears throat> if you come from a background that's more accepting of the LGBTQ community, um, then you may be able to come out earlier at an earlier age, you may feel more um, self-esteem about yourself. um, And you may just be a bit more comfortable about all of your identities, right? But if you come from a community that is not accepting, then um, there are a lot of like issues that could come about, especially with youth. Um, You know, we know that when people don't have uh, an affirming adult in their lives as they're growing up, um, as they're, you know, as a part of the LGBTQ community, um, their risks for suicide go up tr- uh, quite a bit. And again, you can catch that in another episode. We talked about that. Um, and so uh, you can run the risk of just, you know, having a lower self-esteem, having um, some, some, instances of more mental health challenges associated because essentially your community is telling you that you don't belong because of something that is who you are um and that can be very damaging for youth um because you know youth are looking for their place in this world and so in the communities that you're born into if you're not accepted it's difficult right so not even just your family but your community, uh, it can be a very difficult thing. Um, yeah, uh, like uh, my a really good friend of mine, uh, he's uh, half black, and then he has like a mixture of like white and Irish and Native American. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember him like us having conversations like in high school and like shortly afterwards about like his experience growing up of being like not really fitting into a community that mm-hmm. um, he lived around lived in, a, in a black neighborhood. Um, and he was like not accepted by any, any of his neighbors or any people around in his neighborhood because he wasn't, he was too light skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but he, but he was dark enough as in his words to pass off as black to other people who weren't around folks who were black. And so yeah. they, they were fearful of him because he was a bigger, a bigger guy, kind of intimidating, mm-hmm. um, at a young age, like he hit puberty when he was like nine and he's like a six mm-hmm. foot, six foot dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a, he's a big dude. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh just talking about his experience of like being so young and like not fitting in anywhere and Mm -hmm. taking a long time 
for him to like find people um, that he enjoyed or people that accepted him for who he was. Um, and he didn't identify as um, a part of like the LGBTQ community, but like he had a tongue piercing and people assumed that he was gay okay. because he had a lisp um, with yeah. the tongue piercing too. Um, and just being at, like a lot of judgment coming from all different angles, just by the mm. way he looked and presented himself. Um, yeah. And I think that we think of singular facets of uh, people are this way um, sometimes that can be um, very detrimental in like how we think that their life has gone, right? Yeah, stereotypes are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. Uh, and, you know, that kind of goes into the, like, kind of some of the complex issues that LGBTQ people um, or people of color kind of deal with is, um, you know, you're not just dealing with what we already understand uh, in society. There are people who are prejudiced against those in the LGBTQ community. There are some people who, uh, frankly feel like uh, those of us in the community should just not exist, right? Um, <clears throat> and so coupled with that, um, if you're a person of color and you belong to a particular group and that community does not accept you, and then you are also dealing with discrimination from the community, uh, the like the overarching community in society from like, let's say your race, um, or even like a, like a, 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 like an ethnic group or something like that. Um, it's, it's like a double, it's like a double whammy. And it's, it just, it's, it's just a very complex and difficult place to be in. And I want to, um, I want to say that if there are youth, uh, who are dealing with, some of these difficult situations and are in the middle of a difficult situation in regards to some of the topics that we're going to talk about, I want to invite you to call the crisis line. And we always say this, but, um, and this is just a testament to how much we um, are here for everyone here in the state of California. But if you are having a hard time, please call us at 1-800-843-5200. Again, one 800 Eight four three five two zero zero. We definitely would love to speak to you um, and kind of, you know, help you work through um, some of the painful things that could happen that are associated with having these intersections and just trying to figure out your place in your community and the many different communities that you might have your foot into um, because it's not easy being a youth and 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 having these different intersections as well yeah and i, and I also want to just say to in regards like they can re, you can reach out to us at calyouth.org and get connected with the counselor that way or you can text that number as well at 1-800-843-5200 and i think what's really important and i think something that we should be mentioning just the, i think the more the better um is that like even though there is this inter, like we're talking about intersectionality and like people being discriminated against all these different things is um you know, youth are really resilient and people are really resilient. And mm -hmm. even though they, people, youth, anyone faces a ton of discrimination from many different ways, aspects and avenues that, um, you know, learning about it, educating yourself about like the ways that people are impacted and disadvantages and stereotypes and all these different things is a really good way to be aware of your own personal bias and be aware of, you know, these, these, maybe these thoughts that you have about somebody or, or a group of people or whatever it is. Um, it's very good to just check yourself and, and see, where you are and like if it comes out kind of maybe 
racism or classism, whatever it is, is being able to notice that you're saying things like that, thinking those thoughts is like a first step in like changing your perspective and changing your ideas of like how people are. Um, and actually I was on the line um, this just recently and I spoke with a, a young person um, and uh, we had a conversation about, um, you know, she said that she was cyberbullying somebody because, um, you know, this, this other kid at school was um, making what was being racist towards them and their friends and yeah. uh, asked them to stop. And then they didn't. And um, so they made a account of like about them and that escalated to their family that, you know, the persons that was getting bullied, their family, like getting involved in mm. um, legal cases, all these different things. And like, just talking about like how hurt people hurt other people mm-hmm. and that perpetually bringing people down um, is it's just going to bring everyone else down. And I use an analogy of like, you know, when you boil a, a, a thing of, of crabs, they're pulling each other down into their own death. Right. It's like, that's, that's how it is with hate and, and racism and different things. If we're having yeah. people pull themselves, pull each other down, um, no one's going to get out of this boiling pot um, constantly. Um, and how this just slowly escalated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about how um, just that her perception, you know, she was saying that like, this person was just like an evil person and like, that her like she was racist and all these different things and, and like you know she she uh it was confusing to her because she knew her family was christian and mm-hmm. she didn't she had this thought that christians weren't racist um hmm. she couldn't be racist mm-hmm. um and we had a conversation about how people are not this you know singular singular thing that people are come from many different at, like perspectives they have all these different things that that make them who they are um and that you know being so young you know being in high school middle school that a lot of what you're learning is like based off of what you're experiencing, um, whether it be from your family or from school or whatever it is. And so like, um, it was just, a, a, it, she, she felt like it was an eye-opening conversation for her, which I was glad that she said that, like those use those words for, uh, about like how she was looking at people um, in general, especially this person that she had a lot of hate for um, mm. in, in this and being like, you know, this is not all her fault that she's not a bad person um, and that in recognizing what she did was wrong um, and making steps to, to rectifying it. Um, Like she already took down the account and like felt bad. And that's what she called because she felt bad about it and like was trying to struggling with her feelings of like, this person hurt me. Of course, I'm going to hurt them back Mm -hmm. um, is why they called and talked with us. Um, And so it was, it was quite a long call, but also a really good call just to like see that people have the capacity to grow um, and even like learn from mistakes or learn from hurting other people. And I thought that was just like a very different call that I've had um, before where, you know, somebody was talking about bullying um, and being the one per- perpetrating the bullying yeah. and, and, you know, what, 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 how, how am I doing this? Like, why am I the bad person in this? And like really mm-hmm. struggling with that um, and having a conversation and being open to it. I think that yeah. like being young is like really good for forming minds and um, just like how, Sometimes that when you talk with a young person that they're really open to listening and seeing things from a different perspective because they haven't had these rigid views instilled in them sometimes, which I think is, is a benefit and a curse at times, <laughs> depending on who and, and where they are, they're kind of their upbringing and their, and what they've experienced. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, just to change subject just a bit. I wanted to talk about um, kind of an intersection of like, kind of more community facing um, and how LGBTQ um, people of color um, 
just kind of experience the, the wider community. Um, and one in particular, um, it was kind of a, a, an interesting figure to me, um, being that we are, um, we, you know, we're a crisis, we work with the crisis line and um, we're very, very concerned with everyone's safety, right? And so <clears throat> what I found different, what I found interesting in my kind of research on this topic, because uh, I try to do a little research <laughs> before every episode um, so that I, I, you know, we're not fumbling too much in our conversation for things. But what I found was, is that um, people of color in the LGBTQ community um, report experiencing disproportionate amounts of uh, police discrimination as well uh, relative to those who are in the white LGBT, LGBTQ community um, and are six times more likely to say that they've avoided calling the police for fear of discrimination. And, and that kind of ties into like, you know, if you're in, in an unsafe place, you know, men, like mentally, um, if something is going on in your home, um, like, you know, a domestic violence situation or something of that nature, um, it's a little, it's a little uh, concerning um, that in this intersection, th there's a, a bigger concern for, you know, personal safety, you know, when calling law enforcement um, to come and keep you safe, right? And so it says that only 5% of LGBT, of white LGBTQ people reported being afraid um, to call the police uh, versus 30% of people in the LGBTQ um, uh, people of color community, I apologize. Um, and it's, it, it's, it is very, it's a little concerning just because of, you know, there are a lot of things that can happen and, and a lot of things as far as like community safety um, that, you know, definitely do need to change. Um, and it kind of ties into other episodes, it, another episode that we talked about, um, where we sat down and just had a conversation about everything that was happening um, in, in our communities, um, as far as like, you know, Black people in general, and, and race, and uh, Black Lives Matter, and things like that. Um, just the uh, stress, the minority stress associated with those intersections. Um, and we won't get in, we won't get, get into that just because we did have an episode, we did have a conversation about it. Um, I don't know, Logan, is there anything else that you wanted to add to this, uh, this conversation? Um, in regards to, in, in regards to that topic, actually. Yeah, I think that it's, um, it might be like unsurprising for people to hear statistics like that of just like, you know, if you're um, a minority group, especially right, right now with like, police too, like if you're identified as Black or African American and also LGBTQ, um, and you know, that there's more likely that you're to face more discrimination. That's kind of what we're talking about with intersectionality is like that with more, these more different, like these other things that are, you know, make up you, um, you might face more discrimination because you, you fall into these other kind of boxes that people put you in, mm -hmm. um, and stereotypes. Um, and so it, it kind of, it kind of makes sense, um, in a bad way. It only makes sense because like, it's like, of course, people who are discriminated against, if they 
or a part of they you know identify as all these different groups that are also discriminated against of course they're going to discriminate against more just kind of it's simple in a way of that's how math works yeah uh, <laughs> um to <laughs> put it sure. simply that's this is how that works um but it's it's you know it's a matter of being aware and checking mm-hmm. your bias and checking you know who you are and what you're like what you're saying um and also being knowledgeable in like how people are impacted um and- is a way of deterring that and I think it's oh sorry sorry Logan no good it's 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 also important to understand like there are there is definitely moments of like you know we should not we should not be racist in our um in our acknowledgement of these differences right um but there should be some acknowledgement of these differences um I, I came across some interest, like some interesting things too, um, in my research. And this is kind of like, like tangential, but there was, uh, some research done on just kind of like a, a lit review that was done, um, in studies that focused on LGBTQ, the LGBTQ population as a whole. And they did a lit review and they found, um, that out of, the 3,000 or so articles that they um, were looking in, about 85% of these articles omitted information on race and the ethnicity of participants. And I say that to say that when we erase those markers of identity, we tend to erase what could be happening um, in certain in situations with people and you know sometimes we struggle to find out well what is you know what is happening what's going on with this particular population of people um and particularly i i'm recalling an episode where we talked about uh, recalling the episode that we talked about um disparities in mental health uh I, i think last episode we spoke about uh black youth mental health and the suicide rate and there's not one thing that you can point to at this moment, at least, that is overarching over the other issues that are going on. Um, you know, people have a conjecture about racial stress, but, you know, it's a, it's kind of a new, it's a new thing in, you know, in comparison to other things that we are studying in, in regards to people's psychology. Um, and so there's not one thing in particular that we can point to and if we erase these identity markers for people, um, we won't really know how to solve some of these disparities. We won't know, even just uh, at a, in a simplistic level, we won't know these stories um, of, of communities because each community has their own specific stories and experiences. And the LGBTQ community of each other community uh, you know, the LGBTQ community as a subgroup and even even more subgroup of communities, youth as LGBTQ people of color have their own stories and experiences. And I think that we definitely need to do more on a research level to really like look into uh, these groups um, because they can definitely teach us uh, more about the community. I know, for instance, uh, with my kind of belonging to um, the Black lesbian community. Um, there are some cultural things about the Black lesbian community that is just not known in the wider um, kind of predominant 
uh, lesbian community. And I'm pretty sure if you look kind of deeper into um, other groups and uh, backgrounds that you're gonna find different um, cultural differences. And some of those cultural differences can uh, come to outcomes um, in society and you just never know. Um, and so I think we all, as you know, kind of putting our service provider hats on, um, need to be aware of the differences that may occur in different communities and not paint people with a broad brush and the um, kind of the the spirit of like color blindness or uh, cultural blindness. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if you had any, if you didn't have anything more to add, Logan, I don't I just I, about something. Yeah, I really want to drive home that, um, that really being a protective factor, listening to the podcast like as an adult is like a way of like getting a better understanding of like what mm-hmm. things are impacting youth and that a protective factor and like the primo one for youth is having a trusted adult. Mm-hmm. So being that trusted adult for, you know, any youth in your life that you can talk with, you can give us, you can give them our number that nine, that um, 1-800-843-5200. Um, I almost just gave out my number. Uh, that's what I started to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, you text that number um, and then really like have conversations with us about, you know, how to best support a youth if, you, if you're looking to do that and you're not sure because um, there's a lot of compounding variables that happen with anyone while they live life, right? Life is hectic and, and wild and, and all different things can happen. And so like if you need support helping a youth like to be that, you know, um, trusted adult for them, we can have conversations with you about that as well. Mm-hmm. So you can call or text us. Um, and you know, just being aware is, is, is really what's important. Once you, once you have the knowledge, you're able to notice things in that are going on around you much more clearly. So, and I also wanted to add, um, as that trusted adult, don't be afraid to not know, you know, don't be afraid to also be a learner with the youth that you are, um, you know, you're a parent, your guardian, your friend, um, mentor, whatever, um, don't be afraid to be a learner as well. Um, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, let's learn it together. Um, that's always the best place to go um, in these situations. And so, as always, thank you for joining us on the line. Bye. Listening to On the Line with Bianca and Logan. The California Youth Crisis Line is a program funded by the California Office of Emergency Services. We are a free call and text crisis line open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Youth, family, and friends experiencing crisis can talk to one of our counselors today by calling or texting 800-843-5200. Again, that's 800-843-5200. Or visiting us at www.calyouth.org CYCL. Our hosts are Bianca Christian and Logan Scheidler, and our producer is Jason Alviar.